Hello and welcome to another episode of the Ramon Foster Show. Comes your way once a week and brought to you by the Get-Go Cafe and Market where they serve fresh, hot food around the clock. Ramon is in Hendersonville, Tennessee. I'm in Pittsburgh. And Ramon, it's OTA's time. Yes. Around the NFL, players have shown up. Ben Roethlisberger showed up. And what I want to ask you about is something I don't believe I've ever brought up with you before, and that is Ben's relationship with Juju Smith-Schuster. It is different. These two individuals have virtually nothing, nothing in common, other than the exchange of a football. Other than Ben's kids liking them, probably. (laughs) Well, now now that's what I want to hear about. Yeah. Uh, what what is it that I mean? Ben really, legitimately respects Juju. Talked openly about lobbying to bring him back. He did yeah. it ten minutes after the Cleveland loss. He started mm-hmm. lobbying to bring him back. What is it? What's there? Uh, well, you're, you're right about you know that uh, what you said earlier is Ben has an uh, what do you want to call it an, an affection? Is it affinity towards affinity? Is probably a good an, word. an affinity towards Juju because. Um, it's two separate worlds, and I think Ben can relate to what Juju is right now as to what Ben also was in his younger days. Young, having fun, trying to find his way as a pro. I think that what attracts him to Juju. And the thing is this, too. Um, with everything that Juju does, and you know what I mean by that social media-wise, TikTok, Instagram, Juju gets a lot of flack from it. But I think the way Ben looks at it is, man, he's just like me as a kid. I wanted to have fun. I wanted to go out. I wanted to be a pro. I wanted to <laughs> to embrace everything that was the NFL. I mean, you got to think Ben knew. I would think Ben knew. I'm not putting it in his in, in words in his mouth or his former thought. But Ben probably knew he couldn't ride motorcycles. Okay. He found that out, unfortunately. He found it out in a rough, rough way, man. Uh, and talking to him about that story of how close he was to death, I don't think people understand how close he was to death. And um, and I say that because those are the type of things that you don't think about when you're young. And where Juju is right now is still in that world of a young guy that's finding his way through the NFL world and through life and finding himself also. And I think Ben can take an appreciation to a guy like him who's young and and youthful and just full of no knowledge while gaining it on the way that he kind of he may see himself in him a little bit. You can criticize him all you want to. Um, but the thing about him is Juju, that is, is he he does go play. Now, true enough, he's gonna have a bad game, but who does that remind you of as a young guy? Uh-huh. That's Ben. Yeah. And I don't know if Ben sees that that's his relationship with Juju, but if we if you sit back and watch it the same way I have a little bit, I think Ben sees some of him in Juju. Um, probably should have been drafted higher type of situation. Mm-hmm. Had to be behind the starter, take flack behind that, have some success early, and then when not soon after Ben have the uh, get the Super Bowl win. He almost dies. He gets knocked down quite a bit. Yep. You get knocked down. So I think he sees and I think he wants Juju to be successful in a lot of different ways. And the pureness of where he is right now as a young pro, as a young man, uh, I think you can relate to those mistakes of getting caught while being out in Penn State during a game or something like that. You know, like (laughs) you think about the issues he's had and you kind of say, well, that's kind of been like. 
and no disrespect for what it's just we all got to learn our way in this league and i think um however it goes ben wants to make sure if it's in his will um if it's in his strength on the field he's going to do that you know that that in those years where ben's got to get his wide receiver paid he's going to go do that he's going to find a way to get the ball and other people might not like it or they might criticize him for it but that's the way it's going to go with Ben and Juju, I think, this year. I think if we look at the talent-wise, everybody nationally might say Deontay is number one. But in Ben's book, he's going to do what he can for a guy that's coming up on a contract year. Um, yeah. That's one of the best things I've always liked about Seven. When you look at his track record of who's next, he's always delivered for those dudes. Well, I'm glad you brought up the other receivers because when when we've asked Ben – Mm-hmm. what he likes about Juju. In addition to, you know, he'll go through all the usual and 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 rightly so platitudes about what kind of receiver he is, what kind of competitor mm-hmm. he is. Uh, Juju didn't get the kind of yards per catch he's had in the past. You and I have talked about that yeah. with the, the knee issue and stuff like that. Um, but at the same time, no one's ever questioned his drive. You ask Vontez Perfect about his drive. <laughs> now, what I want to... When I when I would bring this up with Ben, he he would come back with something about how Juju handles the wide receivers, mm-hmm. and man, does he value that? And his his thing is if he can keep a a happy wide receiver room, mm-hmm. that it means the world to him. But especially when he has a group that is as deep as you mentioned, Deontay. But there's also Chase Claypool, James Washington, James Washington, yeah, and. You have these guys, and you don't want them bickering. You don't want them battling among each other. And it's Juju, apparently, according Mm -hmm. to Ben himself, who keeps the peace there, who keeps them from squabbling. I've seen that, and he's been that way for a long time. That's when the whole situation come up between him and A.B. As far as who's, who's getting what, Juju was pretty much blind to it. He didn't know he didn't care because he's all about everybody eating, everybody winning. And true enough, we all become pros in a sense of realizing this business side behind the game. But as far as like who got what, it didn't matter to Juju, and it still doesn't. You remember the Jets game when Deontay went over the top for the touchdown. Beautiful Juju play. Was right there. He was. He's carrying him off the field on his shoulder when James Washington gets off in the game. He does the same thing for him, and we saw the dynamic of. And I, I don't think some some uh, some Steeler fans appreciated how he's embraced uh, Chase Claypool simply because he's showed Clay uh, Chase Claypool. I'm mixing up my word. He's shown him how to be a business on and off the field too. When you see him doing the TikToks, he's like, "Oh, Juju's doing well." Juju's got to show him the way because whether we want to admit it or not, that is the wave of the NFL. You become a business inside the business of the game. And you see that Juju's pouring into him however he can about being a pro, about being a bigger wide receiver. Because let's be honest, Juju and Chase are both big wide receivers, and you got to know how to manage that type of stuff. So he's always been a selfless type dude. I sent him a message on uh, Instagram about man, those are some. He has some Yeezys, some Adidas Yeezys on. I was like, those are nice, and he instantly sends me back a text message. What size do you wear? You know. <laughs> You, you know what I'm saying? Like, so that's him. He And by the way, I'm size 14. I was yeah, about so. to ask. <laughs> he knew wow. that, though. But that's him, man. If you look in his 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 Polynesian background and his his family, his heritage, you as much as you knock him, 
he's going to be okay with it because around him, he's going to have some really good people. And I think that's what he values more than anything is good people around him because that gives him a sense of st mental stability. It's just like with a bunch of guys I talked to about retirement, like your peace of mind and your retirement goes into your direct from your wife, your kids, how you deal with them. And then it's how you also communicate with the people around you in those circles, man, like me communicating with you, being able to chop it up with, for 30 or 40 minutes after we get off air. Like that's where we are as far as you being successful or having a peace of mind. You have a peace of mind. You can operate better. Like Juju know Ben is going to take care of them. And next up is going to be Deontay and Chase and James Washington. Like that's the way it's going to crumble. But in that world of why Juju is the way he is, it's because he understands the importance of good things that is going to come to him eventually. I like that about Juju. When we come back, when we come back, we're going to take a look at the Steelers secondary and whether or not it's really in trouble. Welcome back to the Ramon Foster show. And, and Ramon, the Steelers secondary is the subject of a lot of focus. I think um, after the season, it's not just about losing Bud Dupree. Mm -hmm. uh, to the very happy recipients down your way in Nashville, they it's are. also about losing uh, about losing Stephen Nelson at right outside corner, and there's there's kind of a you know a, a domino effect that happens from there because on one hand the Steelers do re-sign Cam Sutton, but they tell yes. Cam Sutton, "Well, you've got to be the right outside corner." But at the same time, whenever we go to subs, which is only all the time. You're going to slide to the inside, which is weird to me, but I'm yeah. not the coach. <laughs> so how precarious is this situation, or or am I excessively worried about it? I'll, I'll tell you this. Being in a room with Coach Tomlin for 11 years, he's going to break this down to Cam and for everybody else like this. Just do the job. And that's what he's going to say. Like, I'm going to give you the answers to why but I still need you to do the job. If Cam is outside playing corner and moving in, it's, it's, it's two things behind it. Cam's smart enough to play outside and inside. The mm -hmm. other part of it, and I'm surprised you didn't even bring him up, is you lose Mike Hilton. You uh, lost Mike Hilton. That's why Cam's bouncing to the inside. And yeah, Cam, <laughs> And not only that, but Cam has an appreciation for being physical when needed inside the box, too. We saw him do this last year when Mike missed, what, three, four games last mm -hmm. year? Yeah. Cam was able to adjust and go make those same plays, which is why you find yourself in a, in a situation where Cam gets signed back. Uh, the decision was made one over the other, and they chose Cam, and you, Mike will do well too, but um, Cam is smart. We've always heard that. He's been a guy that Coach Tomlin has called since his rookie year, and I still don't understand how Cam did this, but in his rookie year, you have Coach Tomlin walking up to him Axon, do you see this? You see this? Like, he's breaking down stuff for Coach T during the game, almost in the sense of, like, a player coach. And I'm like, Coach, you got Cam in the fourth? Or was it the fourth or fifth round? And he's yeah, – you're, <laughs> you're kind of consulting him about what he's seeing. But that's because he's smart enough to know, and you put that behind him. Uh, you put that in his, his toolbox and have the ability to get better over time, which is what he's done. Um, the challenge of playing outside is something he's going to have to get used to, but uh, – when you have a cerebral guy, um, I'm not saying he's a slow guy by any means, but when you're smart, you don't have to be the fastest, strongest, or, or the most talented. You just got to have the most understanding and smarts to break down stuff. That's the beauty of what Cam is, and he's been doing that since his freaking rookie year. So 
I don't think it's going to be a big issue. I'm more concerned about the guy that's going to move outside when Cam moves in. Like, that's where we are with that. Yeah, one. with between Jason Pierre and Justin Lane, we didn't see guys really grab the position. And, and you wanted to see that, Ramon. Like, even though they were late season games and stuff like yeah. that, they mattered. Um, and, and besides that, you got an opportunity. And that's all uh, you hear all the time from athletes like yourself is just give me a chance, give me a chance, give me. A ch-. Here you are, here you I, are. You're on an NFL field. It's Sunday afternoon. Let's go. Let's yeah. see it. And and that's what's so frustrating about building and composing a team to where guys know they matter and they appreciate it. Also, like you said, guys beg for that opportunity. They absolutely love that opportunity, but then you have an off-the-field issue with Justin Lane this past offseason that they won't say it affects what's moving, what's what's going on moving forward, but you, it's in the back of the mind because they don't know if a suspension is coming. And right. if it is, then you, move, you, you lose two, three, four games behind something like that. I think it got knocked down maybe to a misdemeanor or something. It did. But you, it did. That's correct. But you still got to go through the league policy to say, hey, you were caught by the cops with this, this, and this. Like, we got to reprimand you some type of way. So when you have guys like Justin Lane who's taken in the third round that you expect to be a player for you and for whatever reason don't, they don't become a, a pro, that sucks for the organization, that sucks for the fans, and it also sucks for those guys too because this is what you've been fighting for. Do everything you can to get in this position. A guy like Cam Sutton has done this. I'm watching it in real time, a team here in Nashville that I covered the Tennessee Titans. They had a first-round draft pick last year. And you want me to just show you the ripple effect of when guys don't want it for themselves when given the opportunity? They are in a position where they lost a wide receiver, Corey Davis, to the Jets in free agency. They also have an aging offensive line, okay? So they just, they needed to decide on what they were going to do with their, their second-round pick this year. They needed somebody. They got a corner in the first round. They needed a wide receiver, truthfully. But you got to go to the position of need and probably where the most value is at. And they went offensive line. And now you have a team here that's in a conversation every single day on our show on Jay Motor Ramon. We're talking about Julio Jones being yeah, to I know. the tight. I know. It's crazy. And But what I'm saying is when guys don't do what they're supposed to do, or injuries happen or arrests happen or whatever. It messes up everything. It it's a snowball effect. I mean, think about – looking at, at at BJ and Matt and, and Zach and Chooks as far as uh, the guys on the offensive line, like Zach gets hurt last year. Zach would have been in a position possibly to beat the left tackle. Now he's at right probably because his knee and you got to get that up to going uh, 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 up to speed soon. And there's just so much that goes into it. But on the flip side, you have a guy like Bud who has a torn ACL. And then you have a young guy, Alex Highsmith, who gets reps. And now I'm seeing articles about – the uh, 25 most underappreciated guys on the team, and you have him mm-hmm. on that list. So it can work either way. You just need more good than bad out of it sometimes. I guess my my concern for Cam uh, specifically, and and I think I, I could probably ask you to hypothetically speak to this, is just the idea, and I get it. He's a headsy player and everything else. But bouncing inside and outside in the same set of downs yeah. – I mean, if, Ramon, you're a pretty headsy yeah. guy, okay? And if somebody was telling you on the same set of downs, now we want you out at left tackle on this play, mm-hmm. 
and we want you at guard on this play. Oh, by the way, on the next one, go ahead and snap the ball to Ben. I understand, different world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably not the best example, but you get you get, get what, what I'm saying. saying here. And I, I you know, I, I, this discussion's been had with Cam, and he and he laughs it off to his credit, and I get mm-hmm. that. Okay, and I, and I brought it up on a podcast recently, and I saw Cam made a little comment underneath it and said, "Love the talk." All right, well, Cam. We love your ability and and your headsiness as well, but at the same time, I, that's not going to stop me from having concerns about it. That's a pretty big switch. I feel you, but I don't think as much because you got to think one is going to be a comp- complex position to be in. That's probably outside. When he's yeah. inside, it's more specific. And I, I, I and I say that in a sense of where it might not be a whole lot of thinking in in a position of moving him inside. Either he's blitzing or run supporter. He's got the guy in the slot. But, like it's it's, basic, but it's basic. But it's basic. It has to be basic. Okay. You think about what Mike and, and Cam were doing last year and guys that play that slot position. Uh, if we're being real, the guys on the outside, they get high dollars because they got to cover usually the fastest guy or an island. In the Keith Butler system, you had better be able to handle your guy yes, without indeed. help. Yeah. And, and, and so I, I think Cam will use this situation to add more value to himself when he goes back to the table. I think what a camera two year deal or something. I think he ended yeah, up getting mm-hmm, two yeah, three year. De- yeah, two nine. Two, this adds more value for him if he's able to play well outside. Um, and and you got to ask yourself too. This couldn't have been a bad move for the Steelers considering they let go of uh, Stephen Nelson, and he and maybe it's for the the, the post June first signing date or whatever it was. But he's still not on the team. So again, you have more. Uh, you, you you have more support in their decision to keep Cam and what he's uh, able to do. Like I said, I don't worry about him. I worry about the guy that got to come in and making sure that he's on top of his job when that time comes. Yeah, that's 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 very fair, and it does put the heat back where it belongs, uh, both on Justin Lane and on Jason Pierre, and we'll see how that – Jay Lane got to step up this year. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. And, and <laughs> that's actually the same way that you just expressed that is the same way that we hear it from the Steelers at this point. Uh, this has to be the year where he he makes up for a lot. This year three? Yeah. You got to be – a. It's there's steps to it. You can't what Coach T always says your rookie year surprises. The next year, there are no surprises. That stuff you did the first year won't work anymore. Now he's need to be working on his own like gas station. He need to be pumping his his own self up so that he can get himself through this uh this the, these years in the league and being a real pro. Now, what do you know? That opportunity still happens to be there, at least for at least for another camp. And Take the start advantage. of another you, season. You, you spoil draft picks. Oh my god! <laughs> they don't understand. DK. Coming from the undrafted guy who has yes. no tolerance for this sort of behavior, a third rounder, no less, in Justin Lane. None. When we come back, a slice of life with Ramon. Welcome back to the Ramon Foster Show. This is always our slice of life with Ramon segment. Ramon's a Tennessee guy, like to the core you know that reminds me it reminds me and i'm going to put this on the show so that people are aware of this uh one of our subscribers to dk pittsburgh sports is such a fan of your work for us that when he sent us this big box of coffee from new zealand where they are big time into coffee his name is ben and not that ben ben from new zealand (laughs) he sent us this big box he sent us one packet one one thing of coffee that was orange yeah. and said this one is for ramon get it to him 
Moan, this is the best coffee on earth. I'm not saying that just to be nice to this guy. Yeah, Ben from New Zealand. But hold up, DK. If it's orange and has my name on it and you said it's the best in the world, have you opened it and had it? I have not opened it. What do you think I am? Guilty? <laughs> no, 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 no. We have it for you. That's one. Is it beans? Because guess what? In my it's office, beans. It's beans. I got to show you. Oh, you're ready for it. Look at that. That thing's still in the wrapper, though. I know, man. I'm supposed to be making this cold brew for myself. Ramon has a brand new coffee machine there. Look I at do. that. I do. Well, I got a coffee anyway, no, these are beans, and they came fresh. Amazingly, they were shipped to the point where we got them like within seven days of the time they were processed, roasted. What? Yeah. So Before anyway, the... okay, you're yeah. getting this. You're getting these uh, in an Let's orange go. bag because you're a Tennessee guy. In Tennessee, the place that is booming in Tennessee mm -hmm. – is Nashville, which is close to Ramon's home. And it's hard to describe, Ramon. I'm there a lot, obviously, you know, to mm -hmm. cover to cover Predators games, Titans games that involve Pittsburgh. And every single time the cab or the Uber or my rental car is coming into town, I go, where did that come from? Yeah. There's more buildings shooting up out of everywhere. It's really growing. It is. It's growing so much. So I actually have a brother here. He's on the station with me, too, here in Nashville. And it's, it's funny, I always talk to him about, like, what is Nashville now as opposed to what it was? And he was doing a, a, a press pregame show. He was like, and they were downtown, uh, like, by Bridgestone. And he said, man, it's crazy to me that I'm in downtown Nashville and the buildings are blocking the sunset. I said, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> what you, like that ain't ever just happened? Because when I when I actually moved into Nas the Nashville area, it was 2012, 2013. Yeah. And some of the buildings were already there. And for him to say when he was younger, down walking around downtown Nashville, like it was like the the capital, I guess, and just a, like the tallest building was the Maxwell House or the Sheraton. Mm -hmm. And now you have I think we counted one. Me and my wife counted one time. It's about 17 plus uh, cranes. Actual skyscrapers and cranes and, and hotels. Cranes. And it used to be that Nashville was built up just on the hill, the yeah. hillside of Broadway. And now it's gone into the other direction. Everywhere. Right. And and and, and so you just see downtown continuing mm -hmm. to expand. Downtown, when you... Uh, you think of Nashville, you do think of 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 the of the Broadway section. Yeah, uh, downtown you have to. It's a national treasure. And this is what I really wanted to ask you about because when you go through Broadway and you do it really weekdays, weeknights, mm -hmm. it doesn't matter. It's live country music. There's no Always. jukeboxes playing. There's no nothing. It's live, live, live. The windows are open. Mm -hmm. Some of those have modern country. Yeah. Especially when you get down to, I think it's Second Avenue, the one that goes. By the way, Second Ave, from my understanding, for the people that, and it's crazy now, you'll see people walking around with natives on their shirt, a native Nashville on their shirt. But the Second Ave was actually the place to be and not Broadway. It was like right. Broadway was an afterthought. No, and Second that, Avenue has the for the bigger concert type venues yeah. that are in there. And those are the more modern country, the more Shania Twain mm -hmm. kind of country. Whereas down on Broadway, you're going to get a you know a bunch of guys doing uh, yeah. beer for my horses, and and uh, and uh, and there's even some bluegrass that happens. That's actually, yeah. by the way, is the coolest. These people that like, come out of something from like a century and a half ago, and they're doing like oh, ancient man. bluegrass. That's that's where that that their tip jar is like packed, right? Yes, yes, it is, and they're scraping it up so they don't see all the tips there. <laughs> but what people don't know about Nashville. Yeah. And this is what I wanted to get your view. When they say Music City, 
They don't mean country music. And I wish more people would understand that. Nashville is home to a significant rock community, a rap community. There's pop music that comes out of there. They, and when you, when you're walking along Broadway and these people have their, their windows down, you're not just hearing Johnny Cash. No, you know, you're hearing everything. They take pride in all kinds of music. It is. And like you said, from, from all types of, we can, all genres that you can think of is here in Nashville. And not only that, just different types of people too. The Nashville you may have known, I knew 10 years ago, isn't the same Nashville for a lot of different reasons, man. And I, I've heard of the amount of artists that was here. Uh, you mentioned Justin Timberlake, of course. He's a Tennessee guy from Memphis area, so he's here. You mentioned all the country stars, but it, it'll shock you when you hear R&B, like Jill Scott. She's here in Nashville. There is this video circular, uh, circulating around with DMX that passed away. DMX was near TSU campus recording music here. Kanye hmm. West sneaks in town to record here in Nashville, Tennessee. I didn't there- know that. So many are there is a what is the African American um history uh museum like right around it's fifth and Broadway. When you come back here, go to fifth and Broadway, amazing area. Well, that's Kanye, also where the Johnny Cash Museum is also on that same street. Exactly. It's right across from Bridgestone. Yep. Um, and what's what's wild though, DK, it, they're so in, Kanye is so embedded here for the museum I was telling you about. He's from my understanding, because I know somebody on the event planning for the city, he contacted the museum and wanted to outfit them in all his Yeezy shoes because and send some of his memorabilia here. Like there are so prints I've heard is here. And not only that, it's so many movie stars who are here in the city. It's become a melting pot. Uh, a few years back, uh, Tom Cruise was on one of the rooftops watching the Nashville fireworks show. You like that's what you're seeing. Of course, you know um, Kelly Clarkson. She has a, a, yeah. a house here and uh, where I live at. It, it's a lot of just everybody that you can think of. Yeah, here. stars will gravitate toward other stars. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and that that's true of any genre. If you're in LA, you'll see a mix of all different kinds of stars that don't have anything to do with each other just because, ooh, I'm a star, he's a star, she's a star, I'm going to be around that person. And Nashville has a lot of that vibe to it uh, because as you go to these different performing areas in particular, those bigger ones down on 2nd Avenue uh, Mm -hmm. where the the more significant artists are. Uh, But the one misconception about Nashville that I also, the greater misconception by far is people think the Grand Ole Opry's down there. It's not. <laughs> it's not. The Ryman Auditorium the Ryman. is which was the original. Yeah. Now, the, when you watch, Ramon, I've seen this because that's actually directly across the street from where the yeah. Predators play. The Ryman is. That's where the Grand Ole Opry used to be. Right. When you see the crowd that's going into that place, this is like Civil War Nashville that's going yeah. into that place, the way they're dressed yeah. up and everything else. But the actual Grand Ole Opry, it's still in Nashville proper, but yes. it's way on the outskirts. It's yeah, nowhere, it's near, outskirts. Yeah. nowhere near downtown. It was, yeah, it was moved out there along with their a massive convention center and all this other stuff. Yes, exactly. But Nashville is a beautiful place, man. And I'll be honest, I was we were torn, my family was, and in, in staying in Nashville or staying in Pittsburgh. And it it basically broke down to family being here. We absolutely love Pittsburgh. And from my understanding, 
Pittsburgh and Wexford and the South Hills are all beginning to go up in a lot of different ways, the same way Nashville is. Uh, the beauty of Pittsburgh, I've always been a fan of, but the way Nashville has grown as of recently, um, I'm not sure if my Pittsburgh family will actually enjoy that. Because, no, we're not into that stuff. <laughs> no, but it has been, if you hadn't been, the, the routine is fly in on a Thursday. There's a Southwest flight mid-afternoon that gets you here before the nighttime hits. Come. Yep. Just, and, then, and by the way, you can do a round trip. You get out on Sunday and come back to <laughs> come back to Pittsburgh, but you also yeah. got yourself a Thursday, a Friday, and a Saturday night. Yeah, we've done yes, this. Yeah, we've, we've done this. <laughs> You're actually I've actually run into you at the airport. That's now what that I that was a late night, wasn't it? It was, yeah. She was picking me up outside. We're like, hey, man, that is a really large man. He could potentially be an offensive lineman. And, oh, wow, it's Ramon. Yes, I remember that. I think my flight got changed that night or something, too. It was something wild. But uh, it's not just country music. It's not just uh, wagons and, and cowboy boots. Although, by the way, a new trend apparently is wearing white boots down Broadway right now. Put like in the comments, like let us know why white boots are a thing now. Yeah, what's that all about? Yeah, that's what's that. Although they do have boot shops. Oh my goodness, they especially try. on the lower part. When you walk into those places, the smell of the leather, the leather. can actually knock you over. The boots <laughs> and the hats. You know what it smell like? Hmm. BJ Finney. BJ Finney. <laughs> and we tie it all together yeah, with yes. football. Join us next week for another episode of the Ramon Foster Show, starring, not coincidentally, Ramon Foster.